opening hymn is Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Mike wants to wear it around his neck. What if I get too cold? So good to have Martha back. I just really feel a lot closer to completion. Amen. In Sunday school, the baby is in somebody else's arms today, right, Martha? I want to welcome all those by way of television. We may be small in numbers, but we're great in quality. We're just trying to round up those who are coming in a little late from Sunday school class. And at our opening hymn here is Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, purple number 139, 139, verses 1 through 3 and verse 5, please. Would you please stand? may be seated in our next song is praise song our worthy red praise number 74 please mm-hmm. 
Bob God, we want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to come in worship. We thank you for our Sunday school class. And we pray a, a special blessing upon the gathering as they meet quickly after we clear out the, our congregation here. We thank you for the privilege of J-Hop being with us in and, and the gathering and all of it United Methodist. We were reminded of scripture. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, who has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider the Lord has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. This is my God, whom I will praise. I will exalt my Father's God, who is a mighty warrior, whose name is Lord. Pharaoh's chariots and his host the Lord cast into the sea, and his chosen officers are sunk in the Red Sea. The floods cover them, they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, chatters the enemy. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, terrible in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. We pray for guidance today and counsel. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your blessings upon Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. We ask for a special blessing upon our radio and our television audience. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to bring music and the message and the word and scripture to many that are unable to come out and go to houses of worship, the freedom to come and go as we please. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We thank you for all Christian brothers and sisters and religions that are experiencing persecution. We are thankful that they can reach out to you and find your strength and your deliverance in your Holy Spirit. We who are amongst the less persecuted, we realize that in the last days persecution may come among all of us. We thank you again for the privilege of sharing our facilities here. Remind us that the Church of Jesus Christ is believers in Christ, regardless of the labels and the names that we put on us, whether United Methodists or Gathering or J-Hop. We thank you that we can share this facility to the honor and glory of God. And we just pray, Lord, that as Satan, his principalities and powers and forces come against us to try to make it not work, we thank you, Father, that you give us the liberty and the instruction and the, the power of the Holy Spirit to make God great. Because God is great. God is good. God is present. That we're the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit he seeks to deliver us and in freedom. We pray all these things in your name as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're joining us by way of television or radio, for those that are present here, our scripture is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. Very, very powerful scripture, oftentimes referred to as Good Samaritan, but really it's, it's how to be your neighbor. Um, who is my neighbor? And it, it uh, follows the discussion. And we're try, we try to move things uh, along as quickly as possible. And we don't want any intermittent um, situations not filled with either the word or the worship or the testimony of God's power. So reading now from Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 29 and following. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word today. But wanting to justify himself, many times you and I, we want to justify ourselves with little reasoning and rationale doing things. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, this attorney, this lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is probably, as many theologians feel, this is probably the, the essence of the next few verses because he's wondering about who is our neighbor. And, and who is my neighbor, Jesus replied. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when this priest saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on him. Then he put him on his own, his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the very next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you, repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was neighbor? neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. He said, the one, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And may we be the one, the ones who showed mercy. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Immediately after our scripture passage today, I prayed and asked the Lord, to give me and us the meaning he wants me to learn from it, as we should for all scripture that we read. The primary lesson that I got is one I believe every one of us should get, brotherly love. Scripturally speaking, this guy that Jesus was on the road came up to him and asked him about eternal life. How did he get it? Jesus said, what is written in the law? His answer was to love others and neighbors as themselves. The Lord said, nice answer, that's right. And then he gave the knowledge, he was impressed by his correctness and the knowledge of scripture. But continuing the conversation in which fight just justified his own answer, the Lord asked Jesus who his neighbor was. Doesn't seem like a stupid question, but it's kind of odd. Love my neighbor. Okay, who is it? Jesus answered with a parable of a Jewish man 
that was robbed and beaten while taking the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now this particular road was notorious for crime and bad things. And the parable of the man that was walking the road was beaten and robbed. The beating was so severe that the criminals that did it left him for dead laying on the road. That road between those two cities was well-traveled and kind of notorious for, for bad things to happen on them. Jesus continued the story, and the first person that passed the victimized person was a priest. You would expect him to stop and help, but he didn't. The second person was a Levite. You would expect him to stop and help a fellow man who was laying on the road, beaten. He walked by on the other side of the road as well. But now a Samaritan was walking down the road, and he stopped. Now, Samaritans and Jewish had opposite or opposing cultures. You would expect him to be the one to walk past the man and ignore him. But he didn't. He stopped. He stopped, dressed his wounds, and he actually put him on his animal to bring him to get further assistance and help. In fact, they were so opposite that John chapter 4, verse 9, it says that the Samaritans and Jews had no dealings with each other. Instead of passing by with insensitivity, the Samaritan stopped, showed compassion on the social enemy. Like I say, he dressed his wounds and placed a wounded man on his animal to bring him to get further assistance. He brought him to an inn. He paid the innkeeper and he said, you know what, when I return, I'll pay you even more. Now the Samaritan showed extensive care and love by helping this wounded, robbed man immediately. He gave him his aid. Even though there was supposed to be social enemies, he helped him out and showed love and care to his enemy. Now Jesus asked the attorney, seems like it should be pretty simple, which of these three people proved to be his neighbor? The one who showed him mercy was the answer. Now Jesus ended his conversation with him by simply telling them, go and do likewise. Now when we show love and care for anybody, even our political or social opponents, that difference that we have them religiously or politically, that difference should be the last thing that enters our mind. They are human beings just like we are. And when it comes to rendering care and showing love, as we're commanded by Jesus to do, it should be the first thing that comes to mind is love and help. I'll just come right out and say it. It's evil. If those differences, those cultural or political differences come to your mind before your willingness to help, it's evil. They may be physical, social, cultural, opposite of us. The Lord didn't say, oh, help others unless you disagree with them. That is not what the Lord said. He said to show them mercy and love everyone. And we can show Christ's love when we love others as, our, as we love him. Or show his love, I should say. Those differences that you have with other people in need should be the last thing that comes to your mind. Oh, I'm not going to help that person because they're this culture or they do this kind of work. That is just not right. And that is against the word of God to not help somebody in need. Thank you. I want to challenge you all, even by way of radio and television, 
to answer that question, who's my neighbor? When I was preparing and thinking about this, I could almost identify my neighbors of 40 or 50 years ago than the neighbors of the current time. And the vast difference of changes and geographically growing up on the farm, I, I knew the neighbors miles away, miles away, and certainly next door, and I, I knew their children, and I knew their grandchildren's name. And I can honestly say that in the neighborhood that I live in the cul-de-sac, I just know last names. I have a struggle to remember first names, and I don't know if you're in that same sense of understanding of who geographically is your neighbor. In our scripture today, these words contain the well-known parable, parable of the Good Samaritan, and I think it's probably more of a worldly understanding of scripture when you think of the, the, the Good Samaritan because it really addresses a the fact of who is your neighbor. And in order to understand the drift of this parable, we must very carefully and prayerfully remember the occasion on which it was spoken. It's one of the most important passages of scripture. That's why we had to divide it, divide it into two Sundays, because it deals with the important subjects. It was spoken in reply to the question of a certain lawyer who asked, who is my neighbor? He was asking a question of salvation before, now he's asking a question of who is my neighbor? And our Lord Jesus answers that question by telling the story, the story that we have just read and winds up the narrative by an appeal to the lawyer's conscience, just as God is speaking to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to your conscience and my conscience, consciences of pulpits today and the consciences of pews today as Multitudes of churches, nearly 90% of Christianity is looking to the lectionary to answer this, this question here. Who is, who is my neighbor? And our Lord Jesus Christ answers that question by telling a story we have just read. And, and he winds up the narrative by an appeal to this lawyer's conscience. He's appealing to your conscience and my conscience. And let these things not be forgotten that God's Holy Spirit speaks to our conscience. And the object of the parable is to show the very nature of the nature of true charity, which is love in action and brotherly and sisterly love, and to lose sight, to lose sight of this, this object and discover deep allergy to this parable is to trifle with the scriptures. And none of us want to be caught trifling with God's scriptures, the allegories here, and, and deprive our souls of the most valuable of lessons. Now, it was so grand and glorious occasion to see Martha back with us, and, and I, I hope she's going to stay this time, stay this time. And certainly Martha is, is our neighbor, and I consider that she considers us as her neighbor. We are taught first, first and foremost in this parable, how very rare and uncommon is true brotherly and sisterly love. I grew up some 50 years ago and when I was appointed to Bertha Hewitt and Wrightstown United Methodist Church, I got to know law enforcement, not because they were pulling me over, but I used to run and jog with them in the area clergy. And I also was only just a few miles away from my my home school, and 
During that time, we would work out together and run together. Much of my teachers were almost just a few years, years older than me. What we would do, we would jog together. And on one occasion, one of the Lutheran ministers, Reverend Christensen, was telling me a story where he was driving on the intersection of 10 and 210, and he noticed one of the school teachers had pulled over to help a, a person, supposedly with car trouble, and this was Bill Bradlich, and this was my chemistry teacher. And he related to the fact that he said, well, since Bill is there, Bill is there, I, I find no reason to stop. So Reverend Christensen just went on by because he was going to the hospital in Bertha to visit a patient. Little did he realize that, that when Bill Bradlich had pulled over to assist his car that was having evidently some car trouble, that the car had just pulled over, Bill got out and was going to help the person with his car trouble, but it was just a, a situation where he ended up being robbed. He was being set up. He pulled out to the side of the road and Bill got out and he tried to assist and he was robbed. Robbed of wallet and they took his keys. And when Reverend Christensen went by, he just kind of gave that good old prayed wave as, as he said, oh, thank God that Bill is assisting this party. Well, in this parable here, we, we learn a, a situation. It's a lesson which stands out prominently, prominently on the face of the narrative that's before our eyes. Our Lord tells us of a traveler who, who fell among thieves and was left naked, naked, visualize it, naked, wounded, and, and half dead on the road. And then he tells us of a priest, a priest, and a Levite who one after the other came traveling down the way and saw this poor wounded man, gave him help. One time I was asked to preach on this text of scripture and I used, that was like some 40 years ago when I was Asbury United Methodist Church and I happened to say that it was after hours, it was in this Selby Dale area and, and at that time that was a very difficult area, you were not advised to go out after dark. And it, the scripture says both of these individuals who were from their specific office and profession ought to have been ready and they, they ought to have been willing to do an act of, of graciousness and hospitality and love and neighborly spirit to this individual in distress, but both, both on succession were very were too selfish or too unfeeling to offer the, the slightest, slightest assistance. They doubtless reasoned much as times as we reasoned with ourselves that they knew nothing of the wounded traveler, that he had perhaps, in Jewish thought, Jewish thought at the time, that perhaps they had got into trouble by their own misconduct and as a result, there was this kind of give and take, and, and it was a result of some sinful prior behavior that they were, he had met his fate. And they rationalized and thought to themselves that they had no time to stop to help him. And that they had enough to do in mind. They had enough to do in mind 
to mind their own business without troubling themselves with a stranger. And the result was that, that after the other, they both passed by, passed by on the other side. What we have here is a striking description and exact picture of what's continually, continually going on in the world that you and I live in. It's a breakdown of the family. We call it dysfunctional families and in the loss of mothers and fathers in their role with their children, the breakdown of morality. It starts in the home and ends up in the community and in the nation. Selfishness is leading the characteristic of, of the great majority of much of humankind. That cheap charity which costs nothing more than a, a trifling subscription or contribution is common enough, but the self the self-sacrificing, the kindness of heart, which cannot what deal with the surprises of life and what trouble is entailed, so long as good can be done is a grace which is rarely met with. There are still thousands, millions in trouble who can find no friend or help, and there are still hundreds of priests and Levites who see them but they pass by on the other side. Let you and I beware of expecting much from the kindness of humans. If we do, we shall certainly be disappointed. The longer we live, the, the more clearly we shall see that very few people, few people care for others except from interested motives amongst themselves, and very few are unselfish and disinterested, purely brotherly and, and sisterly, sisterly love, as scarce as diamonds and scarce as rubies. And how thankful ought we to be that the Lord Jesus Christ is not like man, but that God's kindness and, and love are unfailing. He never disappoints any of his friends. Happy are they who have learned to say, according to Psalm, Psalm chapter 60, verse 5, that my soul, that my soul waits, waits out upon God, for my expectation is from God. We are taught, secondly, in this parable, who, who they are to whom we should show kindness, show kindness, and whom we are to show love to his neighbors. We are told that the only person who helped the wounded traveler of whom we are reading was, was a certain Samaritan somewhat of a mixed blood. This person was one of a nation who had no dealings, no dealings with the Jews, and we find that from John, the fourth chapter, the ninth verse. He might have excused himself by saying that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was through this Jewish territory, and that the cases of distress ought to be cared for by the Jews, and solely by the Jews. But he does nothing of this sort. He seems, he seems to see with more spiritual eyes and he sees a person that, that's stripped and naked of his raiment and lying half dead. He, he asks no questions, but at once has compassion, has compassion. And he makes no difficulties, but at once he gives aid. And on the Lord, and our Lord says, to you and I, go, go and do likewise. 
Now, if these words mean anything, a Christian ought to be ready to show kindness and, and brotherly and sisterly love to everyone, everyone that is in need. Our kindness must not merely extend to our families and our friends and our relations. We must love all, we must be kind to all, wherever the occasion arises and requires. We must beware of any excessive strictness in scrutinizing the past lives of those who need our aid. Are they in real trouble? Are they in real distress? Do they really, really need and want our help? Then according to the teaching of this parable, we ought to be ready we ought to be ready to assist. We should regard the whole world as our peers. As John Wesley, the great pioneer of the faith in United Methodism, in Methodism, we should regard the whole world, the whole world as our peers. And the whole race of humankind as our neighbors. We should seek to be the friend of everyone who is oppressed or neglected or afflicted, or sick, or in prison, or poor, or orphan, or heathen, or a slave, or a challenged person, or a starving, or a dying person. We should exhibit such worldwide friendship, no doubt very wisely and discreetly and with good sense, but of such friendship that we never need to be ashamed. The ungodly may sneer at it as extravagant and a form of fanaticism, but but we need not mind that to be friendly to all in this way is to show something of the mind, the mind that was in Christ. We're taught lastly, lastly in this brief portion of scripture, that in this parable, after what manner and to what extent we are to show kindness, show kindness and, and love to others. We are told that the Samaritan's compassion towards a wounded traveler was not confined to feelings and passive impressions, but he took much trouble, trouble to give him help. The injured, he act, acted as well as he felt. He, he spared no pains, he spared no expense in befriending him. Stranger as his man was, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Nor was this, was this all. On the morrow, on the morrow he gave the host of the inn money, saying, take care of him, take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And our Lord says to each of us, go, go and do likewise. Now the lesson of this part of the parable is, is very plain, it's very unmistakable, that the kindness of a Christian, the kindness of a Christian towards others should not be in word and in tongue only, but in deed and in truth. His love should be a practical love, a practical love, a love which entails on him some sense of self-sacrifice and self-denial, both in money and in time, and in trouble, and inconvenience. His charity should be seen not merely in his talking, his talking because we can talk the talk and not walk the walk, but in his acting, 
not merely in his, his profession, but in his practice, his practice. He should think it's no respect, no misspent time to work as hard in doing good to those who need help as others work in trying to get money. He should not be ashamed to toil as much to make the misery of this world rather smaller as those who toil, who hunt or shoot all day long. He should have a ready ear, a ready heart for every tale of sorrow and a ready hand to help everyone in affliction so long as we have the power. In such brotherly and sisterly love, the world may not understand. The returns of gratitude which such love meets with, with may be few and small. But to show such brotherly and sisterly love is to walk in the steps of Christ and to reduce to practice the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, then, and now let us leave the parable with his grave thoughts and deep searchings of heart. Searchings of heart. Your heart, my heart. How very few Christians seem to remember that such a parable, such a parable was ever written. What an enormous amount of stinginess and meanness and ill nature and suspicion there is to be seen in the church. And that even among people who repeat the creeds and, and go to the Lord's table and how seldom we see a person who is really kind and really feeling and really generous, we can cite the Mother Teresa's and the liberal and the good-natured except to oneself and to one's children. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ spoke this parable of the Good Samaritan and meant it to be remembered. What? What are we ourselves? What are we ourselves? Let us not forget to put that question to our own hearts. What are we doing each in our own station in life to prove that this is a mighty parable? A mighty parable is one of the rules of our daily life, our hourly, hourly existence. What are we doing for the heathen to the, to the home and abroad? What are we doing to help those who are troubled in mind and troubled in body and troubled in estate? There are many such in this world. There are always some near our own doors. We don't have to only pray, pray for those in Ukraine and other parts of our country. But what are we doing? What are we doing for them? Anything or nothing at all? May God help us to answer these questions. The world would be a happier world, a better world, if there was more practical, practical Christianity. Father God, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed in Christians in prayer, he was willing to justify himself. How are we in right standing with God? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Help us to examine our lives. We seek your forgiveness. Your people, your people, which are called according to your name, if they repent, give up their wicked ways, then God will hear our prayers from heaven. Say it with me, O Lord. Our Father. We thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you're speaking to the hearts and the minds of many people, that you pray for us. You pray and dispatch your angels, your ministering angels, to speak to our needs and the needs of others. Let us pray these words together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. 
for forgiving us in the ways we failed you, in things we've done and left undone. Empower us through your Holy Spirit. Help us to reach out and find our neighbors. In Jesus' name, as the ushers come forward this morning to wait upon you for your tithes and offerings, and as we turn to our offertory hymn, would you join me in the offertory prayer printed in our bulletins? Almighty and most merciful Father, the giver of every good and perfect gift, we give you thanks for all the opportunity of our life and for the promise of eternal life, for your love as our Father, for the example of our Savior, for the enabling power of your Spirit, and for the Church as our spiritual home. Through the head of the Church, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is well with my soul. Purple hymnals number 377, please.
Would you stand with me, please? dismissed with your blessing we are called to church we are called to be the seminaries of your truth for we serve an, a mighty god we have read of the prophets of old how your power was often made known to them in small gestures in a still small voice we've brought our gifts to you this day confessing that we have often missed or dismissed your miracles because they are not present themselves in dramatic startling events and grand transformations. Give us eyes that we are constantly on the lookout for the small and subtle ways you make your power and presence known, your love and mercy known to us. In the name of Christ, we pray. believe we're at the closing point. Osseo, Osseo Pancake Breakfast today, the Legion, from when to when. Today, yeah, but how, are, how is our television audience? We need to know all the events, you know, a week before to announce it so that you keep in mind a year from now, the Osseo Legion Pancake Breakfast. Mm -hmm.